Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships which means they are all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of many, many episodes, or maybe just like five, who knows, who knows when they'll cancel us, of the hockey podcast that we're calling Biscuits, and my name is Dave Lozo of Vice Sports and many other places. I am Sean McIndoe from Vice Sports and Sportsnet and other spots. That's do, not dough, for everybody out there who is like me, who thought it was pronounced dough based on, you know, the way things are usually pronounced. Yeah, based on being able to read and <laughs> assuming that my ancestors were not illiterate, which they turned out they were. I've definitely heard your name said that way, though, like on by like people and like on like radio hits. It's like, hey, coming up here in a Toronto 440, we got Sean McIndoe. Yeah, exactly. It's close enough. It's like, like it's not their fault that my ancestors got it wrong and the rest of the family just stuck with it. Yeah, if your ancestors are going to get something wrong, it's better to be that name and not like say the electoral college situation that's that's the thing you don't want to get wrong but that's a whole other I've, podcast right we i've heard it's a, it's a it's a thing it's a thing down here in in uh what was once the united states of america but nobody wants to hear yeah. the dumb american <laughs> bitch and moan seven days later about that so you're sounding good your wi-fi is good from your underground bunker that you've been in for the last yeah i've really nine days i've really so. sharpened it up i really amped it up and i've i've got so much chef boyardee that it should last until 2020 when uh when when david duke becomes the president then <laughs> and then i can go out and buy some more canned goods and then uh you know hopefully i'll be dead by then <sighs> it's fun time so anyway hockey hockey i love hockey i i i'm i'm, in, I'm sort of indifferent about hall of fame week and hall of fame weekends I, uh, I'm somebody who just doesn't maybe care that much if like my favorite players make the hall of fame or not, or if players who are good make the hall of fame or not. Like I, if Eric Lindros did or did not make it, that really wasn't important to me. If it's important to him, great. I don't really care because I got to watch him play. And like 10 years after he retires, if he gets to hang out in a, in a mall hall of fame, that's great for him. But um, this year, this year's class, besides Lindros, didn't really do anything to me for me. Like a goalie who hadn't played in 30 years, who had okay numbers, suddenly got in the Hall of Fame. I th- I feel like that. I don't know how to compare the Hockey Hall of Fame to other Hall of Fames, but it seems like they're just gonna let anybody in. You know, I feel like maybe if the if the if the you know the the years break right in terms of retirements, like I might be able to get in based on my street hockey play in 1993, but. I don't know. I don't know how you feel as a as a proud Canadian. It is, yeah. No, it's 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 possible. That's that's a common complaint from fans that the the Hockey Hall of Fame is not quite as exclusive as as other sports or as it should be. And I, you know, I don't know. I it, I can't say there have been that many selections that have that have bothered me. Phil um, <laughs> Phil yeah, I mean, Phil. Yeah, every few years. There's, I, but I, I'm I'm with you that like. This year, like Roger Vachon, like that was a weird pick, right? Not because, not because he's not a Hall of Famer, but I don't know how you get passed over for thirty years, (laughs) 
and then you get and and just to be clear because i know some people are listening to this maybe don't aren't familiar like we're not we're not being sarcastic and funny here he got passed over for 30 straight years and then on year 31 they call him up and they're like you're in the hall of fame hey wait a second you're a hall of famer we, we to- uh, that's our bad we kept we, we yeah. your hockey reference you page weren't, was blocked at the office we couldn't see it you weren't for 30 years there were better guys, even though there were years where we were only inducting one or two guys. Uh, and then he gets in. And and the other two guys as well, like Sergei Makarov was, is, I believe, eligible since 2000. So that's a long time. And even Eric Lindros was 2010. So there there's a guy who, uh, you know, he was the the slam dunk out of this year's class. And, and yet he got passed over for six straight years. And it's just, I don't like... If I have a complaint with the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's not so much with who they pick, but the way that they do it. I, I just, as a fan, I would really like to have more insight into how right. how is this voting breaking down? Like, you know, our, our, I, I really like the way it's done in baseball, where every year we see all the votes for all the names, and you can tell who's getting close and who's not and who's fading. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of builds up this, this suspense or this, you know, whatever it is. Like you look at this year, like Tim Raines, it's a big thing up here for Canadian baseball fans. This is his last year. And this is a guy who's been a borderline case and we've watched him kind of get closer and closer. And now is this going to be the year that he gets in or is, is, is that it? And he's off the ballot uh, at least until the veterans committee. Whereas with hockey, we don't get any of that. We don't get any insights, not even like football where they give you, uh, a list of finalists right. and, and narrow it down a little bit. Like, like hockey, we get not, like, did, did Eric Lindros, like, was he one vote away year after year? Did he, you know, was, did, did something change? Like did, did Brogy Vachon ever come close to the hall of fame before this year? Or, or was it something that just came out of the blue? Like, I'd like to know that. Uh, but instead it's, it's like every year, these the 18 guys just get in a room they come out hours later, and it's like, okay, these are the Hall of Famers this year, and and see you later, and that's that's all that you get. Have you ever seen the the picture that they once tweeted? I think it was this year of like all the people that vote on it, it and it was like it was like twenty dudes, and like nineteen of them were white guys with white hair. It was just, it was like it was like people that like probably should not be allowed to vote. They're so old, and yet somehow it, it is. And I, I mean, vote in like the presidential elections. <laughs> I don't mean like vote for the Hall of Fame. And yeah. I, I, I I wonder too because. Like we, we, we do similar stuff. Like your editor comes to you and says, Hey, you know, you want to take a look at candidates for 2015, 2016, 2017. And you're like, yeah, sure. And did anybody put Rogi Vashan's name down? Like this could be his year. Like, no, he was never even, he was never like, on, he was never on the, on the, on the, on the lips of anybody for, for I, I've years. been writing these things for, for years and I, I never had, had Vashan there and I didn't have Macro. In fact, Sergey Macro, the only, other than Steve Simmons, the Toronto Sun, I, I didn't hear, anybody beating that drum uh, year after year. So that was a, a bit of a surprise. Like Dave Andrichuk has like 700 goals and they're like, eh, I don't know. He was a compiler as if like just because he played for that long, anyone can get to 700 goals if you play for 20 years. It's like, I don't know. He he, he kind of hung around. Yeah, because he was good enough to do it. He wasn't like, like if Jeremy Rona could have played five more years, he would have. He, he couldn't. He's not, he wasn't good enough. Like, ah. I, well, I, and I got to tell you that this is like, th- these are the debates that I actually enjoy more because like i say I, I i feel like the committee if once you accept that the hockey hall of fame d- is has got reasonably high standards but has not set the bar impossibly high and is is going to you know the the dino cicerellis are going to get in eventually uh i feel like if that's where the bar is i think the committee does does fine i i think ultimately they they get some of the mostly they get the right guys in but what fascinates me are the guys who you know the 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 difference between guys who are considered a slam dunk uh guys who get in eventually guys who don't get in and then guys there are certain guys that just never even get mentioned and then you all you look at their career numbers and you're like well wait a second these guys have had almost the same career and yet one guy is like oh yeah he's going to be in for sure and then another guy is you know again not not somebody that you feel like oh yeah this guy should be in the hall of fame but you're you're just like this does his name even come up? Because I never see it. I, I you know, I, I, uh, I, I love the, these debates, right? I, I read all these articles every year. You, we get to do them twice, right? Once in the summer yeah. when they make the announcement, and then now when they do the induction, we get to write the same article twice. Hope nobody notices. <laughs> 
And, you know, there's some guys where you're just like, you know, and then and then what'll happen is like some diehard fan of a team on Twitter will be like, what about this guy? And you're like, ah, you're crazy. And then you go look it up and you're like, yeah, he's actually got the exact same stats as <laughs> this other guy I said should be in. And, and you know, I, and I don't know, like, there, there's like a fascinating psychology to how it is that we just all as a group decide that certain guys are on the list and certain guys are just, you forget about them. Like the guy for me who it took me like a little while for it to kind of penetrate through and now at some point today, I feel like when this podcast comes out, my story won't be posted yet because I haven't started writing it yet. So there's a little inside inside scoop into how late in the day I will begin to create my verbal content for the internet. But Sergey Zuboff is a guy who his numbers like 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 okay like Dave Andrichuk he didn't win a cup until his last season so you can kind of tag him with that whole oh he wasn't a winner thing like Mark Recchi he was a compiler he played next to you know Mario blah 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 you know all these guys like Sergey Zuboff you know yeah he played next to Brian Leach for a little bit but he's a winner he's won cups he has I, I looked it up for his career not his entire career but basically like from his second year to his second to last year. Only Nick Lidstrom had more points than him as a defenseman over like a 13-year window. Um, his his analytics, I read something yesterday about how he he, he compares analytically to some other players. It's it, he's, he's incredible there too. He's a guy where I don't like, – like Sergei Makarov kind of got honored because he kind of broke through. He was one of those first guys to come over like Kasatanov and Fatisov back in the 80s. So like Zuboff doesn't really have that going for him, but – I, I can't figure out what the knock is on him at this point other than, you know, he got overshadowed a little bit by like maybe Pronger and Lidstrom during his career. Like he wasn't a tough guy. I don't think people really think of him as like a highlight real defenseman. But I mean, I got to watch him a little bit like back in the day, back when I had hair in the in the 90s where he played in New York. He was he was so good. Like him and Brian Leach were, were a pretty good pair when they were together. So I don't know if it's just because people think he's a product of playing with Brian Leach, or he's just the guy where they compare him to Nick Lidstrom, and that's pretty that's that's unfair. Compare anybody to Nick Lidstrom and say they're not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. He's a guy who, at some point today, I'm going to write positive words about, and I don't really understand. Like I feel the same way about Andrew Chuck and Recky. I think they should be in, but I've come around on Zuboff. I really think Zuboff should have been in this year, and I don't know if he's going to have a chance to get in next year based on all the guys that are going to be eligible. I, I'm glad that you brought his name up, only because one thing I have learned over years of of having these conversations and writing these articles is that if you don't mention Sergei Zubov, Dallas Stars fans lose their minds. Right. They take it very, very personally if if he is not mentioned as a guy who uh, who should at least be in the discussion. Because it, and it, go, you're right. it, go, it goes to that like that that thing that certain fans have when they're fans of a team that isn't Toronto or New York. They're like, oh, it's because he played in Dallas. And I'm usually I'm like, oh, shut up. That has nothing to do with it. But then I think about it, like, what else could it be other than like nobody really watched him play in Dallas for all those years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it's tough in a way because it, it, it gets to that discussion of, you know, are, are we trying to honor guys who were the best for a period of time or are we trying to honor guys who were very good for a long period of time and, and I don't know maybe Zubov's kind of caught in the middle of that because he had a long career and 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 built up good numbers but you know it wasn't ridiculous uh, he you know he never won a Norris I, I think he was a finalist maybe once, once or twice yeah postseason all-star once uh, you know, but, but yeah. And, and the other thing, and, and I, I wrote about this earlier in the week is th- there's certain categories of players that the hall seems to have trouble with and defensive forwards and offensive defensemen seem to both be tricky for, for, and, and you would think with the, I mean, you think they just look at the point totals and be like, all right, let's, let's get the guys in with, right. with the most points, which is what they tend to do with forwards. Exactly. It's what, it's what they do during when they vote for the Norris trophy yet somehow when it's time to yeah. the hall of fame, that's not what they do. Exactly. And you've got, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's straight, you know, Doug Wilson's not in Phil Housley racked up huge numbers, uh, and took quite a while to get in. And, and, you know, uh, Sergey Gonkar is another guy who, you know, you, you really don't, uh, see his name come out. You know, I don't know. It, it's, you know, Sergey Zubov's a guy that I'm, I've certainly been brought around to the idea that this guy should at least be in the conversation a lot more than he is. Uh, because yeah, like, like we said, I, we've we've both seen those lists where you know here's 15 guys who should be in the Hall of Fame and he's not even there. Uh, and then you go into the comment section and it's just you know a yeah. bunch of Dallas Stars <laughs> fan having a bonfire. All, all 30 of them. <laughs> 
Suck it. Suck it, Dallas Stars fans. There's not that many of you. <laughs> speaking speaking of fan bases that are going to go insane if a guy doesn't get in. Uh, Eric Carlson. Next, next year's class. <laughs> close. You got the right fan base. Next year's class, we all agree, Timo Solani is, is slammed up. Right. There's no point to even doing this if, if Timo Solani isn't a first ballot guy. Uh, but the other guy who's who's on the ballot for the first time is Daniel Alfredson. Is Daniel Alfredson a Hall of Famer? I think so. I think he's. I think you should. I forget everybody that's eligible next year, but to me, like he's, he's. I know. I know you have some some ill will towards that man for for understandable reasons. I, and I get it. Like he's sort of like in that Sergey Zubov area where it's like, yeah, he's one of the best, but he was overshadowed by you know X Y. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he was that good for that long. Like I, I think he gets in. I, I have. I. I I don't think there's any question he gets in, and it wouldn't shock me if he got in on the first ballot. And I don't, and I don't think you know if 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 next summer we find out, yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer Daniel Alfred's in. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not going to be upset by that. I, I just I do find it interesting again because this is one of these guys where I, I think most hockey fans. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm up here. Everyone in Ottawa thinks this guy's a, has been calling this guy a first ballot Hall of Famer for since 2002 so they they assume that he's he's a no doubt uh is is going to be in uh you know i don't i don't know what fans and other fan bases necessarily think but i mean you look at his numbers 1150 career points 450 goals uh you know never you know never won won a calder trophy but other than that one one postseason all-star no I, I, you know, not not a Hart Trophy finalist, the, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, it's interesting to me that you look at a guy with with that kind of resume. And I know some of the fans say, "Yeah, but he was also a real good two way player." And yeah, absolutely, that's that is that is fair. Um, but it, it, let me circle back to to what I was saying before: how some guys don't get don't get any buzz at all, don't even seem to be in the discussion at all. Because I'll throw a guy out there who I have never once seen seriously discussed as a hall of fame candidate let's do it today uh but he's got virtually the same numbers as daniel offerson okay daniel daniel offerson we said 1150 points this guy's got 1180 played virtually the the same time played a few more years but the same era overlapped everything uh 450 goals almost the same as daniel offerson also a real good two-way player won two selkies Wait, can i guess who, can uh, i guess who it is before you say it absolutely theo flurry no, no, not Theo Fleury. Fleury's another one that that's yeah, he's right on the that's cusp. a weird one. Fleury's a weird one because he he was a guy that you know the, the 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 test I always like to use is did you ever watch this guy and think this is a future Hall of Famer? And there's a lot of guys that you know Dave Anderchuk even I love Dave Anderchuk he had, he had great years for the Leafs but I was never like oh yeah there's Dave Anderchuk is going to be an all time great Theo Fleury really felt like a Hall of Famer when you were watching him uh, and then you look at his numbers that he you know and, and he didn't really end with crazy good numbers like i think he just just barely kind of got over a thousand points and um obviously he had you know some challenges off the ice and that sort of thing but yeah theo Fleury's one that he's going to be one of those guys that, that will sneak in like after 10 years after you've forgotten about him and then one day the call will come in and you'll be like oh right yeah that makes sense wait who's your who's your guy though who's your who's so here's here's my guy my 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 guy with with almost 1200 points 450 goals two selkies and won a stanley cup uh as a captain, so actually got to lift the Stanley Cup from Gary Bettman, and nobody thinks about him at all. Nobody cares. Nobody ever has him on the list. Rod Brindamore. Hmm. Now, hmm. when when I say that name, I think everyone just kind of goes, "Oh yeah, Rod Brindamore's not a Hall of Famer," and I, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I'm not. I'm not sitting here making the case that yeah, you know, Rod Brindamore should be in the Hall of Fame. But look at his numbers and his career achievements, and look at Daniel Alfredson's. There's not a lot to choose from, and it's just it's it's interesting to me that one guy is like, yeah, he's probably going in on the first ballot, and the other guy is like, it never even occurred to me that that could have been a Hall of Fame career. Here, I'm going to give you a guy that I was going to write about today, but I, I chose not to because I just didn't feel like dealing with all his crazy, psychotic government stuff, who has... So, okay... Eric Lindros is in the Hall of Fame because he was dominant in a really short window and his career kind of got cut short by injuries. It's sort of like the same thing as like uh, Kirby Puckett in baseball. You know, like he had a really great career, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but he got in, 
if his career had just ended because he felt like playing basketball or something, he would not be in the Hall of Fame. But because of stuff that happened, you know, health-wise, that he's in the Hall of Fame, Lindros is in the Hall of Fame. It's a similar thing. His career didn't get cut short by injury, but it started super late, is Tim Thomas. And I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's even going to be like considered to be one. But his career basically started when he was 32 years old. And from the time he broke in to the time he retired, I think he had the best save percentage of any goalie in the NHL over those eight or nine years. But the problem is, A, he only played for eight or nine years. And B, he's currently living he, – he's, he's been in a bunker since Obama's second term started. So he's probably not even – you know, eligible to take a phone call that says you're going to get into the Hall of Fame because he's out in the woods firing guns at stuff or something. I don't know what he's doing. But he he's a guy where I feel like if he was just like a normal human being that was like super well liked by everybody, like 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 Tim Thomas is a dude who won a Stanley Cup in Boston and like he turned Boston media people against him. So I don't know if he's ever gonna get in. But if you look at his numbers, yeah. I mean Stanley Cup, Vezina Trophy, Consmite Trophy Based on the amount of years he played, I feel like he would have a really good case, but I don't think he's going to get in, though. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of those guys, and he's he's eligible next year, I believe. I think yes, so like, he year. he hasn't come up yet, but yeah, he's kind of the ultimate in terms of all right. Do you want the long career, the long career that's good, right. or do you want the short career that's that's very good? Because I, I I'm not even sure I can think of somebody who had as short a career with as high a peak because this guy was absolutely the best goaltender in the world for a two or three year period i mean he had, he had the two years where he won the vezina won a stanley cup and and you know i mean yeah you're right the way he's perceived is interesting because you would think a guy who didn't even get into the nhl really other than the handful of games until he was 31 would be a great story yeah. that we'd all want to be on board with it the, the you know here, here's the thing with Tim Thomas that I guess I'll I'll say because I I don't I don't see him getting in, and I don't know if it's if it's the politics or if it's the you know the the fact that a lot of the media didn't like him, or if it's just that people are going to look at it and say well you know he he only won two hundred and something games that's he didn't have enough of a body of work. Tim Thomas started his career basically when he was thirty one, played until thirty eight or thirty nine. Uh, and and had the first decade of his career where he was kicking around in the minor leagues, and he took and he, and he, and he took a year off too to go be in the woods or whatever before he came back and played for the Stars. Right? right. Yeah, missed missed a year yeah. there. Also had that one weird year where he kind of half lost his job to Tuukka Rask, and uh, so it was. It, I, I would just say this: I, I I feel like if Tim Thomas had had that exact same career, but he had broken when he was twenty one, and then at twenty nine he had like blown his ACL, and that's the end of his career. Right. I feel like he gets in. Right. I feel like we, we he falls into the Peter Forsberg, Eric Lindros, Cam Neely category, and we go, oh yeah, he's in. And yet, the fact that he only had a ten year career in his thirties, it, it just it somehow feels different. It feels like you know that's he doesn't have enough of a body of work. It's just bias against old people. You know, people start doing stuff in their thirties. It's just like, oh, what's this old trying to do out here? You know. Damn. Well, then again, all the Hall of Fame voters are 82-year-old white guys, so maybe that argument doesn't apply. Tim Thomas might be on the committee, actually, <laughs> within within a few years. Let me just uh, let me throw one other name out there, because this is the, the one guy that I have officially kind of changed my mind on Ooh. over the years, that I have been writing these, you know, who should get in the Hall of Fame? And, and in fact, it, it actually happened to me, there was a, a I feel like maybe it was last summer, I sat down to write like here's ten tough calls and here's how I would vote. And I sat down and I to write it and I had this guy in the no category. And then in the course of writing like the pros and cons, I changed my own mind and like convinced myself. And I came out of it. I'm like, of course this guy's a Hall of Famer. How is he not already in? And I feel like he's he's another one of those guys. Uh, you talk about the peak years. You talk about kind of the Forsberg, Neely, Lindros uh, exception where we let guys in. Who had their career cut short by injury, but to me, Paul Correa should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Ooh, Paul Correa. I mean, but his career didn't really get cut short. He played until he was like thirty-six, right? He he did, but he wasn't. You know, he he the last two years were kind of write-offs because he because he ran into the concussions. Yeah. Uh, even you know even after the lockout, once basically once he got to that Nashville St. Louis part of his career. 
you know, the the even though he he put up some really good numbers, he had I think he had an eighty point season, but he 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 wasn't peak Paul Correa. But peak Paul Correa was I mean, this guy was a first team All Star three times, second team All Star twice more, uh, runner up for for the Hart Trophy in one of his years. Uh, you know, th- this guy was absolutely one of the best wingers in hockey for, and not just for a couple of years, but for an extended period, uh, put up big numbers, didn't win a Stanley Cup, but almost single-handedly dragged his team to a Stanley Cup that had no right to be there in, in 2003 and, and scored, you know, one of the most iconic goals in Stanley Cup history after he got flattened by Scott Stevens and then comes back and uh, and, and, and scores the the big goal in, in one of those games. Maybe that maybe maybe we can have like a Hall of Fame wing for like guys that were had that had their careers ended by Scott Stevens. They can have like the Paul Korea, Eric Lindros, like Slava Kozlov wing of the Hall of Fame yeah, where Ron Francis can right. can make him. I don't I don't feel like Shane Willis is gonna get in, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we do that. But yeah, no, I just it, to me it, I if if Cam Neely is in and Pavel Burry are in and I I love both of those guys. I think they should be in to me, Paul Correa is in there too because you know he this guy had had the one fifty goal year and then the kind of the dead puck era hit and he was more of a forty goal you know eighty point guy. But uh, yeah, I mean to to my mind, this is a guy. Mm-hmm. You, you know, five. I, I off the top of my head, how many guys were on five postseason All Star teams and haven't made the Hall of Fame? See, but like. <sighs> This is the thing about the Hall of Fame that bugs me is it's, it's always like if this guy's in, then this guy's in. And this is what happens when you put in like Dino Cicerelli. It's just, well, if Dino Cicerelli's in, here's my idea. Here's my idea for the Hall of Fame. And then I think we'll stop talking about the Hall of Fame because people are probably screaming at their at their phones and their computers about all the guys they want to get in. Here's my plan for the Hall of Fame. We pick 100 guys, 100 people, 100 guys. That's sexist. There, there, there should be women in the Hall of Fame. The 100 best hockey players ever. And we put them in the Hall of Fame. And then every four years, we take a look at all the new eligible people. And we decide if any of them can supplant any of the 100 people that are already in there. This way, the Hall of Fame stays awesome. And this way, the Hall of Fame, it actually means something to get in. And the voting process can be more exciting. That's my plan. I'm I'm with you but, on one condition. Okay. I don't want us calling up people to tell them they're out of the hall of fame <laughs> i think the new guy has to go to the home of the old guy oh yeah and like ring the doorbell like you know you always hear about these guys who are on the golf course and the call comes <laughs> in and they're like yeah i want to be like i want to be there when like clark gillies is sitting at home <laughs> and then the doorbell rings and he's like oh no and he goes and like jeremy roenick is standing there with a big smile on his face and and he knows like you're you're out. I want. I want to find like the most sexist guy possible in the Hall of Fame, then have like Manon Rayom go to his house and be like, "Hey, I got bad news, buddy." Uh, that would probably not be very difficult to find. <laughs> that would be good. That this is like make a reality TV show yeah, out of this. Oh my god, yes. I would watch it. Like just you just put a security camera in like Dino Cicerelli's house and just like watch as he like nervously and then you know like the doorbell rings and he runs over, but it's just like his Amazon delivery and. Uh, you just watch him sweat it out. I would, uh, I would absolutely be glued to that channel. Be like, make him think he's getting like a publisher's clearinghouse check, and except it's like a, a big note that says, "Dear, dear Dino, you're no longer in the Hall of Fame. Love whoever, love Tamu Solani." And then it's just like, no. And then there's a fight, and then like you know, Solani kicks his ass because he's so much younger. You know what? I think let him let him fight it. I, if you're 90 years old and you can defend your Hall of Fame spot. <laughs> <laughs> against some, so you know, against some forty-two-year-old, then you should you should stay in the Hall of Fame. Or maybe it could be like Game of Thrones, where you can have somebody fight your battle for you. Like you know, you're you're like an eighty-two-year-old guy, and you just like, well, you're you're gonna have to fight my son, who's an MMA fighter, to take away my spot. And it's like, yeah, All because right. he's been trading for ten years for exactly <laughs> this. That would be good. I feel like we're onto something here. I feel like I feel like we should probably delete this part of the podcast and not let anybody hear it because we should we should be selling this to like to like yeah. NHL Network or to like some let's, sort of sports. Let's network. let's delete this and let's delete the part about Sergey Zubov just so that you can get all the furious <laughs> feedback. Speaking of things that made me furious, Bill Daly on Monday, the day of the Hall of Fame inductions, sat down at some thing i don't even know what it is some primetime sports and entertainment panel apparently that 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 place follows me on twitter so thanks for following but i don't know what they do but i guess they sit around and talk about marketing sports and bill daly sat there and said it's a team sport so we want to market the teams and not the individuals because our team sport is such a great team sport 
that we don't want to market the individuals. We, we, we think people care more about teams. And he said this, and then six hours later, he was part of this ceremony to induct the best individuals into the Hall of Fame. And I just... I every every year there are probably like four or five moments where Gary Bettman or Bill Daly or somebody at the NHL offices says something just stupid and it makes me mad and and usually it's the same sort of stuff it's just you know about how fans don't care about salaries fans don't care about this stat that stat all this stuff Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I get that hockey is a team sport. I understand that. You know, everyone in hockey thinks it's the only team sport. Like, basketball is not a team sport. Like, LeBron James can just win the NBA title by himself with, like, four versions of me on the court. It, it's every every team sport is a team sport. It's called a team sport because it's a team sport. Yet, football markets the quarterbacks. The NBA markets all of its best players no matter what position they play. Baseball, same thing. Somehow, hockey doesn't seem to understand that all those other sports are more popular than hockey and they market their individuals, and they're all about getting, like, for years. Okay, so I'm a Giants fan, so I'm trained to hate the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Redskins. I, it doesn't matter what goes on there. Like, I'm going to root against those teams unless there's some sort of, like, playoff implication thing where it's better if, like, the Packers lose. I probably watched 100 Indianapolis Colts games, and I don't give a shit about Indiana Indianapolis. I don't care if the Colts are playing the Titans in a game that's going to decide the wild. I watched Peyton Manning because he was super good at what he did and he was fun to watch. And whenever that was, whenever they played essentially at like one o'clock or four o'clock and there was no like Jets or Giants game on around here, that would be the game you'd get. And it was great. And I don't care about the Colts. I don't, I mean, I don't care about Edger and James. I don't care about, you know, whatever guy on defense they had. I cared about Peyton Manning because he was fun to watch. And somehow in hockey where they have, you know, they have like six or seven guys that are worth watching. They care more about a Wednesday night rivalry game between like the Red Wings and the Islanders. That's not a rivalry game. And the ratings are bad. Nobody's watching these games. And yet Bill Daly's like, we've been doing this for 20 years. And it's like, yes, you've been the seventh most popular sport in the world or in North America for the past 20 years. Nothing's changed. Maybe you want to look into the whole marketing of the really good guys on each team thing. And it drives me I won't curse again. I want to. I want to keep this podcast classy. It drives me effing insane. Help me, Sean. Help me. I, I'm I'm completely with you. I, I you wrote a great post on that topic earlier in the week. I've got a sort of a supplemental rant coming. Yes. On on Friday in in my grab bag about how ridiculous this is because yeah I mean first of all I don't know how you could possibly look around the sports landscape right now and say, yeah, marketing individuals really doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, boy, that that LeBron, huh, what what a bust that's been for the NBA. That has not worked out. Uh, uh, yeah, that's terrible. And, and I, I mean, I think part of what's going on here is, is this is one of these things where I, I maybe don't get as angry about it because I don't think that half the stuff that Bill Daly and Gary Bettman say that even they believe. I don't think Bill Daly really believes that marketing teams is better. I think he just knows that the NHL has failed so utterly at trying to market individuals uh, that they just have to do that thing that you do when you fail at something and pretend that you weren't trying uh, and that you were trying to do something else. But but I'll, I'll, I'll come at it even from a different angle. It, not only is it far better to market individuals, but in today's NHL, I can't think of anything less interesting than marketing a team right. in today's NHL right. because the, the teams in today's NHL are boring. Oh. They are, and there's only three. There's three types of teams in the NHL these days. There are there are ten good teams. There are five teams that are tanking, and there's fifteen teams in the middle that <laughs> nobody cares about. And any one of those teams can beat any other team on any given night. Because there's the, the, there's so much parity, competitive balance, whatever you want to call it. They go out there 
every game is three to two, every game's decided by a lucky bounce, and you hope over 80 games that you'll get enough separation that you know who's good and who's not good. Uh, but it, none of those, I mean, what team are you going to market? You know, like, oh, here's. Here's the Chicago Blackhawks. Again. Watch this team. Okay, well, what Okay, well, what? What have they got? Well, you know, they've got good goaltending and a deep forward group and a good blue line. Okay. All right. Who else have you got? Well, you know, can we sell you on the Lightning? All right, sure. Who? What are these? Well, they got a good goaltender, <laughs> deep forwards, and a good blue. Like, every team is the same yes. to, to the point where when you see, like, a team like the Rangers that has a good goaltender and a really deep forward group and a blue line that's just okay— you're like, wow, what a radically different approach they're taking. I could, like, if you took, if you if you didn't have the uniforms and the logos, you would not be able to distinguish. Nope. 27 of the teams in the NHL would be absolutely identical. And the idea that you're going to go and market that and that any fan in the world is going to be like, yeah, no, I'm really interested in this. You know, tell me more about the, the Boston Bruins. It is just is so ridiculous to me, and I know people say, "Well, they do market teams. They, you know, the the Blackhawks are everywhere." But yeah, but that's because the Blackhawks have a few individuals on that team that are worth marketing, and 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 you know, and plus they've also had the success. But you can't you can't just market success in hindsight. You can't be like, "Well, here's the team that won the Stanley Cup last year, so let's pay attention to them this year." W- what's the story I should care about this year? What should I be following right now? And you can't just tell me that everyone's the same, but, you know, check back in June, find out who won the Stanley Cup, and that's the team that you should have been interested in. It's, uh, you know, I'd, I I wouldn't roll my eyes so much if I felt like the NHL had any ability to do this, but they clearly don't at the individual level or the team level. But I'll tell you right now, I'm a diehard hockey fan. Don't market teams to me. I, I couldn't care less. So we're halfway through the show, and that means it's once again time to remind you that this week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. As Sean knows, Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. You're aware of this, right, Sean? I am aware, and Dave, I don't know if you're aware, but the reason for that is that Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, and what that means is they are all real, and you will never get fake tickets. Wow, because that's that's actually pretty good because you don't want to get fake tickets, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-2017 NHL season. Once again, that's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. There's one thing that I think is really obviously stupid. I mean, there's more than one thing, but there's one thing that's obviously stupid and one thing where I kind of get where they're coming from. The obviously stupid thing is if you're a Calgary Flames fan, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, it doesn't matter what the rivalry is on Wednesday nights. If it's Rangers Islanders, if it's Bruins Canadians, you're a Calgary Flames fan. You're a Minnesota Wild fan. You don't care about that rivalry. It's not It's not your rivalry. That's how hockey's been forever. That's been hockey's biggest problem is you're a fan of your team. You don't really know about or care about these other rivalries. Like Again, going back to like other sports, I'm a Giants fan. Giants-Cowboys, I'm there. Giants-Eagles, I'm there. But it's like Jets-Patriots. Yeah, that's that's your rivalry. That's that's nice and all. Like I'll watch it because Tom Brady's going to carve up the, the Jets for three hours, but I, I don't care about the outcome of that game. Oh, oh, Ravens-Browns. Oh, wow, yeah, I know all about that history. That's Don't care. I don't care about that. So I don't understand how a league like the NHL that's had this problem forever would still want to do it that way. So that part I don't get. The part I do get is... Bill Daly talked about how the individuals don't like being marketed, and like your initial reaction is, is like, well, tough crap. You're you're you go out there and stand in front of the camera and say something funny or do something whatever. You're you're going to get marketed. This is part of your job. But the culture of hockey is such a is, is in such a dumb bad place where any sort of individuality gets stomped out by the time you're 12 years old that it's kind of hard to eventually when they're 24 years old be like all right go go be marketable go be go be fun and great and make everybody like you and the guy's just like hi i'm jonathan taves the chicago blackhawks please come out and watch like there's 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 so few personalities and the ones that are like pk suban pk suban's one of the five best defensemen on the planet and he was traded because he's outgoing like that's how insane hockey is so i get the fact that you don't have a lot of individuals to market a because Anyone who is personable and outgoing and fun and, you know, the kind of person you want to put on TV, there's like this weird inherent negativity. There's this weird like stigma that gets placed on it by the actual league and the teams in it itself. 
And two, there just aren't a lot of guys to do that with. So to me, like like Connor McDavid, like any 18-year-old player in hockey is usually, you know, boring is it, it's more boring than the second season of serial. Like it's bad. Like you don't want to have any part of that guy being on TV and being like, hey, I'm I'm Connor McDavid. But that's just part of being it's part of growing up. It's part of getting used to being in the NHL. So just market like like Patrick Line is kind of outgoing. He's a teenager, so I think he's 19 now. Just market the individuals from the standpoint of they're so much better than everybody else that you're going to want to watch them for the 20 minutes they're on the ice every night. That's all you got to do is just show highlights of Austin, show highlights of the young guns team from the World Cup, and just say here here's a bunch of super awesome young guys that are fast and good. Here are the teams they're on. Come watch them play. There, there's so many better ways to do it, and like the NHL still, you know, they shout about oh 4.8 billion dollars in revenue. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, tell me where. If I had like a dog running the NHL, like if I had if I had a, if I had a dead dog laying in Gary Bettman's office, what what dollars would the dog have not gotten? Like oh, a, a TV contract. You, you think the dead dog wouldn't have been like, yeah, let's, let's get a bunch of money from TV, let's get a bunch of money from Canada, let's get a bunch of money from the U.S., let's get a bunch of money from you know center ice pack. Like there's, I I, I feel like. It, and it's impossible to prove. I always talk about this. It's impossible to prove. It's like the Islanders, where I feel like if Jack Capuano wasn't their coach, they'd be so much better. But how do I prove it? I can't. I just It's just a thing that I think. It's the same thing with the NHL, where if there was somebody else running the league, they would have more revenue to shout about, which is also a weird thing, too, like shouting about how much money you have. It's like bragging about your penis size. Like If you're doing that, it's, <laughs> it's probably not as big as you're saying it is. So maybe – I don't know. I, I'm, I'm off track here. I'm talking about bragging about penis size. The point is you should be marketing your individuals. It's, it's, the, it's the best and only smart thing to do in sports. Look around at the rest of the sports and look how popular they are and look how much money they make and – <sighs> I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm right with you on that. It drives me crazy whenever somebody goes out and tries to do the contrarian hot take of the pro Gary Bettman, uh, <laughs> and they go, "Well, you know, record revenue." Yeah, I will be impressed by the NHL having record revenue when you can show me any other sport right. that does not also have record revenue over the last twenty years. I remember one time I was on a I was on some radio show and I made this same point and I just off the cuff I said, "You know what? Every other sport has record-breaking revenue too, except pro boxing." I just threw that out there because when was the last time anyone thought about pro boxing? I mean, it doesn't even you go years without that sport even being on your radar. And I had a guy email me and he's like, "Actually, I'm a boxing fan." And he's like, "You know, boxing is terrible now and nobody cares about it and it's never been less popular and and less had less impact but he's like revenues are through the roof really because there's just so many ways to get it and and it's the same thing i mean you know you talk about the tv contract i'm pretty sure your your dead dog probably (laughs) could have pulled off the uh, feat of negotiating a 10-year tv deal (laughs) that took place right before rights fees went through the roof and is going to end probably right after the bubble bursts and and the and the fees come back down. You know, I, I, th- there is nothing to brag about for the NHL in terms of their their TV. At least the U.S. TV deal, Canadian deal may be a little bit different. But anybody who holds that up as, hey, look, Gary Bettman got us two hundred million bucks a year, yeah. And then the NBA came along a year later and got something like eight times that. It, it's it, it, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, it is one of the many failures of this league and the leadership and yeah the marketing the individuals you're right a lot of these guys are boring and and want to be boring but it's not all of them i mean alexander ovechkin yeah. has tried to have a personality you've got Subban, you got brent burns uh you know and and i would some of this i think is you're right you can't force it and that's where i have a little bit of sympathy with the nhl in terms of uh i, I think where the whole bill daly quote started was he was asked about the Crosby Ovechkin rivalry and why that never really seemed to take off. And I think some of that was bad luck uh, because he had two teams in the same division. But they only played in the playoffs once during the, the first decade that they were, uh, that both those guys were in the league. And part of it was that Sidney Crosby is just not that guy uh, that, and, and, and when you try to force it in the league kind of did try to force it a few times, it, it, it just doesn't work. But, you know, I, I, I had, let's have some, Let's have some uh, reinforcement here and see, you know, put the guys who want to do it, the guys who want to have a personality, put them out there and see what happens. You know, I, you mentioned Patrick Laney is, is a guy who does seem to have a personality. 
Austin Matthews, we're not sure. He's he's kind of a you know he he seems like maybe it's there, but he's been a little bit more quiet. And he's you know he's playing for the Leafs under Lou Lamorello, so he probably doesn't feel like uh, he he wants to make any waves. So fine, put Patrick Laney on the cover of as many magazines as you can. Let him do all the ads. Let him be the guy who's on the billboards and and it, it, you know on the on the promos for the national games. And eventually, see if Austin Matthews doesn't sit there and go, wait a second, that should be me up there. Why don't you know maybe I can not just give cliched, boring answers all the time, and not everyone's going to do it. But the other side of that is you can still market guys that are boring because I don't know that there's ever been a more boring pro athlete than Peyton Manning. Yeah, but he's but he's like, he's like, like, all right, comparing Peyton and Eli, like, like Eli is just goofy and weird. And he's, I don't think like compare their, like their, their SNL hosting episodes where like Peyton, Peyton hosted it. And I thought he was actually funny. Like he seems like he's, He's he's almost like this robot that has like two gears and it's like one is like like playing football and calling audibles of the line, the other is like being funny. I think he's good at it, even though he's like like he looks he looks nothing like somebody who should be funny and personable. You know what I mean? Like he, he, I, I he's he's been funny. I he doesn't strike me as a guy that you're, he's going to walk into the room and he's going to have you cracking up. I think he's a guy that if you write him something funny. He can he can read that script and and he can pull it off, which not everybody can. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I if if you sat down and the, went to the NFL twenty years ago and went, okay, we've designed the player who's going to be the face of your league for the for the next decade or so, and here he comes, and Peyton Manning walks in the room and opens his mouth and starts talking, <laughs> they would have been like, oh man, we've really got our work cut out for them, and they did, uh, and uh, and yet. They've they've been able to to market everything. I mean, even even Tom Brady, you know, Hollywood good looks and the model wife and all of this stuff. But this guy, you know, he's 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 stiff. this this Bill Belichick disciple who never says anything, never wants to actually, you know, he you you, you get some photos of him every now and then. But he's not a guy who really goes out of his way uh, to to have a personality shine through. Uh, and yet the NFL has been been able to market them. So I, I feel like you're right. It's it. They've got their work cut out for them. It's harder because a lot of these guys don't want to do it, but I don't think that makes it impossible, and it certainly doesn't make it something where you you just throw up your hands and say, "Well, watch two interchangeable teams on <laughs> on on rivalry night in a sport where rivalries no longer matter." Because you know there there's it, it, rivalries in the NHL. Rivalries in the NHL come from two things: they come from playoff matchups and they come from bad blood. And the bad blood's been almost completely taken out of this league. I, you're, you're right. I don't care about a lot of these rivalries. When it was Detroit and Colorado, mm. you know, as a as a Maple Leafs fan, did I tune in to watch Detroit and Colorado? Yeah, you better believe I I, I was watching those games back when that rivalry meant something. Today, you know, and it's, oh, come watch even the Bruins and Canadians, which is maybe still the best rivalry left, is, uh, yeah. you know. I was thinking about that one it's yesterday. Not the like, same. It's not the same. It's really, it's just... Like, like how many? I mean, how many years removed are we from you know people in Montreal calling nine one one on Zdeno Chara? Like the thing about the Canadians and the Bruins is like they play four or five times a year. So I only have so much energy for so like like the rivalry in hockey has to be so good and so intense and so mean spirited and so just like above everything else that it's hard for me to get amped for like four like like Rangers Islanders. I mean that's that's the thing around here that's probably the biggest rivalry and you know they play so many times a year that it's just. Yeah, it's just another game. They're playing for two points. You know, the playoffs. If the Rangers play, like if Montreal plays Boston in the playoffs, I'm there. Like team, 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 team. Yeah, Canadian team versus the American team, and they hate each other. Let's do it. But like, you know, on January 19th, and one team has 55 points and one team has 51 points. Like, yeah, great. Go, go, go. Do your well, thing. And and not only that, but you know, the, in in the NFL, you got a rivalry game between two teams, and you know, even if it's the regular season. Uh, you know, one of those teams going to win and one's going to lose, and you're going to have a team that has to walk. Even if it's a close game, I mean, you look at you know, I don't know if the uh, if if the Seahawks and Patriots are really are a rivalry, but a you know, Super Bowl rematch and game comes right down to the wire, close game, great, entertaining game, and and uh, you know, last second fourth down play doesn't go through, and okay, Seattle wins, New England loses, they walk off with a lot in the NHL. If you got a good close game. One team wins and one team kind of half wins right. and walks out going, ah, we're okay with it because, you know, we lost in overtime, but we still got that point. So, eh. and you're sitting there going, well, what was that for then? Like there was, you, you didn't even serve up a winner and a loser at the end of it. 
Yeah, hockey's the worst sport. I mean, should, should we start a football podcast? Can, can we can we do, can we do an NFL podcast? Well, Russell Wilson might be uh, might be bringing the NHL back to Seattle, so maybe we'll yeah. be able to tie it all together. And, and people were mad about that. People were like, "It's a scam." He's just putting his brand on. I saw somebody was mad about that on Twitter. Then again, it was Twitter. Someone's always going to be mad about something. Yeah, no, I I refuse to believe us. A scam involving a new arena that would never happen. <laughs> he's actually in pro sports. He's actually going to rub his his concussion shampoo on on the stadium so no one ever gets a concussion. <laughs> that that's the scam. It's like come play in Seattle. No one will ever get a concussion thanks to Russell Wilson's nano bubbles. Randy Carlisle is very interested right now. He thinks he thinks the science checks out. Oh wait, is he is he a concussion denier? Did you not hear Randy Carlisle? He had uh, what was it? His theory. This was a couple years ago with the Leafs. His theory was that concussions were up because. Guys were wearing helmets, and like their, it was something like their their brains weren't sweating enough, or so it was some ridiculous what? thing that like yeah, like the, <laughs> their brains weren't allowed to cool out, and, and that's why that's why we have concussions now, and they didn't have them back when he played, even though half the guys weren't wearing helmets. It has nothing to do with the fact that everyone back then was just gliding around, taking three minute shifts, and now everyone's <laughs> going at hundred miles an hour, but. Can we just let me just throw one more thing because I I know we're kind of done with Bill Daly, but I but what Daly said was so ridiculous that I feel like it overshadowed another horribly ridiculous thing that got said, and that was Gary Bettman with the comment about how he couldn't understand why players were acting like there was going to be a lockout in 2020. He was asked about players who are who are putting lockout protection into their contracts, where they're getting these, you know, where, where it's all signing bonus or whatever, yeah. so that they don't lose money. And he was like, "I don't understand. We haven't even started negotiating. Why would they think that?" Uh, and it's like, it's like, dude, you've had three of these things. We've lost the equivalent of two full seasons. We're the only league that still does. The NBA is about to sign a new CBA, you know, any any time now that without uh, well in advance, without missing any time. We're the only league that still does that, and it's just like that was one of those things where, like I, I'd hate to be like Gary Bettman's PR guy because you think at some point you got to be like, don't, <laughs> don't say that, don't say that out loud. I don't. Maybe it sounds okay in your head, but really, no. The thing, the thing he says out loud though is a thing as a PR guy you would think he would never say. Like when someone comes up to him and says, uh, "Hey, they were chanting uh, Katy Perry at Corey Perry last night." Do you think that was a little bit sexist? And and your mind is the PR guy. You're like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna say yes and handle this well." And he was like, "No." Oh, that's fine. You're just like, oh, Gary. So that the lockout's the same thing, where it's like, all right, he's gonna he's gonna understand where they're coming from on this no, lockout. Why would anybody think we're gonna have a lockout? Have we ever had one of those before? Can I can I ask my PR guy about that? He's so uh, he's not stupid, but he's just. I'm trying to picture like one single fan hearing that and being like, yeah, I'm I'm with him on that. Why would we <laughs> think there's gonna be a, like we're all like. Everybody's like, I, you know, we just write, yeah, like, well, you know, the 2020 lockout, here's how it might affect things. And, you know, we're all getting close and we're all trying to figure out what jobs we're going to have for half a year that year right. so we can uh, make money when we all get laid off because Gary Bettman has to get 50% down to 48 and a half and <laughs> eight year contracts down to six years. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm like, Again, I don't believe that you believe what you just said. So what are we even doing here? Like Gary, Gary Bettman crashes his car into a brick wall three times in 18 years. And then, you know, people are putting padding around the brick wall because they're worried about him crashing the car. And he's like, what do you mean? Why? I've never. What? what? Yeah. Huh? And it's the only three times he's ever driven a car that that happened. <laughs> And he's like, nah, the fourth time's going to be fine. Why would you? I, I, why would I, you ever I, think I, that? I got Don Fear in the passenger side. It's going to be great. We're not. We're going to go right around that wall. We, we're not even going to break for the wall. We're just going to go right around it, and we're going. Everyone's like, and everyone in the audience is like, I can't even imagine like being in a panel with him and him saying that and being like, why would anybody think we're going to be? I raise my hand. Uh, I Gary, I can tell you why. Um, oh, but you, yeah. you, 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 you know why? You're just being. You're just playing. Uh, God, you want you want yeah. you want to do some mailbag questions and then get out of here? Sure, yeah, let's do that. Uh, my buddy Tom from Twitter, whose last name I've never said out loud before. That's one of the most, that's one of the things about Twitter. Like for the longest time, I never knew how to say Drew McGarry's name because it was just written down. I never once heard it said out loud. I just thought it was like Drew Maggery. I never knew how to say it. And then one day it was like, oh, Drew McGarry. So Tom, whose last name is I want to say Mance Manceranus. That that can't be how he pronounces it now that I say it out loud. Um, the Mance on Twitter, he says, the Devils can't keep this up considering they still can't score goals. Can they? 
I think I think they can't, to be honest. But I don't know how you feel about it. I, I guess it depends what it is. I mean, <laughs> it, can can they keep all right, all right, it up of being in the top three in the in the Metro? No. Can they keep it up being a playoff team? Uh, <laughs> I I don't I don't think so. Um, but you know, they, they're a team that they, they've been better even even last year, better than we thought. They, they were a team going into last year. I had them pegged as one of those teams that was gonna that was just headed for rock bottom, whether they knew it or not. And and they've been better than we thought. They've got one of the best goalies in the world, and. Uh, <laughs> We should market this team. They've got a great goalie. They got a depth of forwards. They got a decent blue line. Let's let's market the heck out of these guys. Who wouldn't want to watch that? But uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, keep it up as in be one point behind the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. No, they they can't. They can't keep that up. I don't rule out the wild card. I just don't know how they stay ahead of or get in the mix with the Rangers, Penguins, and Caps at this point. But the rest of the East is kind of you know eh. So they have Corey Schneider. I, they're not going to be what are they eight three eight three and three at this point. They're not going to keep that up. But the East is weird. Like the the there are all these teams. Once you get past the big three or four, where you're like, uh, I don't trust these guys at all. Like I mean, the Ottawa Senators are yeah. in second spot in the Atlantic. Does anybody think that they're going? They're they're ten five and one, even though they've got a, uh, a negative goals differential. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, they just keep winning in shootouts and, and, you know, all this other stuff, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't trust them. I don't know that I trust the Boston Bruins. I, I, I think maybe if I had to pick out of those three teams that Boston would be the ones that, uh, maybe I trust the most, but I, I, you know, I don't trust Columbus at all. Uh, they're, they're terrifying. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like it's, it's two or three of those teams that I just mentioned are probably going to make the playoffs, uh, especially if, you know, if, if if the Flyers don't get it figured out, the Islanders don't get it figured out, there, there's going to be a lot of spots there. So there's going to be some weird teams in the playoffs in the East. Uh, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near trusting any of those guys. So uh, James T. Patterson, who I don't think is the author, James Patterson, I think it's a different James Patterson. Doesn't look like him in the, in the Avatar. He, I know you wanted to talk about this today, so it's good that he asked it. He says, on a scale of one to what what the fuck, or WTF, sorry, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how the sponsors feel about the cursing, but on a scale of one to WTF, how effed up is Tortorella being the first NHL coach to embrace, embrace rest over the morning skate? I think it's insane because this is a guy, when he, when he was here as a Ranger coach, he would make his team morning skate up in Greenberg, which is like 45 minutes north of Madison Square Garden on game days, so... You, it was a weird situation where he wouldn't even let the team like stay in the city because a lot of the guys live in the city. A few guys live up in up in the suburbs, but most of them live in the city. So he would have them come up to Westchester County to skate in the morning and then come back to MSG for for game nights. And I don't know how it affected the team or whatever, but they they certainly weren't as good as at home as they are now, where they have their morning skates at MSG. So not only is he kind of weirdly I mean Guy Boucher did a little bit in Tampa too he didn't want to have the morning skates I I like John Tortorella seems like the least progressive thinking human being not only in hockey but maybe in the world so for him to be the guy that says yeah morning skates are stupid we're not doing them anymore like I, I feel like he's just doing stuff now to just throw people off I, I I don't know why he's the first one to do it but I think it's the, I think it's a smart thing to do it's insane to come out it's insane to get up that early like when I, whenever I have to cover a game at night the last thing I want to do is be up at seven seven in the morning to like do stuff and then go you know write about a hockey game that's taking place from seven o'clock to nine there never mind actually playing it I, I think it's great I think it's amazing that he's the one that's doing it yeah he's ab- he's absolutely right and but you're right he's the last guy you know Mr gritty sandpaper heart and compete coach that you would think would would be the one to figure this out because you're right it does i mean it doesn't make any sense in baseball if you've got a game at 7 30 you don't come to the park and take batting yeah. practice at 10 30 and then leave and go home and <laughs> you know come back hours later uh and uh, yeah i i mean this is this is something where you know i i think there's there's two things going on both of which we probably don't necessarily need anymore. And one of them is that there was a time uh, back in the day where the game day skate was your chance to skate off the night before. And, uh, what do you mean? You know, are, you, get yourself... are, you, are you saying players would come to the rink hungover or still drunk from the night before? I'm saying that in, in, in years past, some players may have imbibed alcohol wow, occasionally. Wow. Uh, whereas, you know, today it's all, you know, they, they go 
go home and crush two kale smoothies and <laughs> go to bed for 10 hours. But, you know, yeah, back then, like, that was your chance to skate off the, all the alcohol and cigarettes and all of that stuff. And so, so maybe it made sense then. And the other thing, and, you know, let's, let's be honest about it, half the reason we probably still have these things is, is for us, for the media, right? This is how we have to go and get our, this is our chance to go and get the quotes. And we got to go and we got to, you know, tweet out those, those line combinations. And we got to tell you who's, we love solving that mystery of which who's going to be the starting goaltender. You know, well, who's going to be in which net? Who's going to leave first? And then tweet that out. Uh, but in reality, yeah, I mean, if 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 all they did was just make some players available in some, even if it was just on a conference call or something like that, or you know, come to the team hotel and then uh, we'll we'll put a few guys out there for you. That's probably enough for us to get our meaningless game day quotes that are going to be completely obsolete within five hours and are going to go up on a story that probably nobody is going to read for the, you know, between three o'clock and five o'clock when it gets pushed down the page. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really feel like this is something that we're probably going to start to see other coaches do this. We'll see the end of the game day skate. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I don't know if we'll look back and be like, yeah, Tortorella did this or if we'll, we'll, we'll just all agree that we'll, we'll give somebody else credit for it. Yeah, I don't think we should give Tortorella credit for it. I think we should give it to to anyone else. To be perfectly, I, you know what though? Like, it, 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 he's probably going to screw it up somehow. Like, he's probably going to have them instead of like skating. He's probably going to make them do like push ups in their hotel room or something to yeah to tire them or like out. or like anthem practice. <laughs> right, like just up and down. He has like cameras installed in like their home and like their hotel rooms, and like he will like have some sort of like device that plays the national anthem, and if they don't stand up in time, he scratches them for the night. I could see that. Oh, I gotta hate him so much. Uh, we'll do one more here. <laughs> Luke Peets wants to know what are the Flyers? Are they good, bad, or average? I think they're average. I think they're good, but they have bad goaltending, so that kind of evens them out to be average. Yeah, they. They. Uh, I, I've actually got a post going up uh, oh. today. Today, as we're re- we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's probably it's by the time you're hearing this, if you're anybody other than Dave. It's probably already up on the hockey news where I, I talk about teams that I just the five teams I can't figure out, and it, because there are some teams that are confusing, but you want or, or they're surprising, but they're not confusing. Like the Dallas Stars, I'm surprised that they're not good, but their goaltending stinks and half the team is hurt, so I get it. Uh, the Flyers, like I like everything that Ron Hextel has done. I like what they're building towards. I I felt like. They had a good chance to to really build on on last year, and you're right. It's the goaltending. The goaltending has been terrible, but the goal. It, this isn't like Dallas where they had two bad goaltenders and they brought them both back. And oh, surprise, they're both still bad. You know, the the Flyers. Like Steve Mason's been pretty good in Philadelphia over the years. He was kind of a punching bag in in Columbus, but he's been pretty good. Uh, and you know, they they had they had two guys last year that both had really solid years you figured at least one of them would be solid again and then you know off you go and 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 you're all set and instead they're just the goaltending's been putrid and that you know in in hockey these days i mean that that's it if your goaltending is awful you're done you you can you can win with okay goaltending it's better if you have great goaltending if your goaltending stinks you're you're finished and and you know that's that's what's doing in Calgary that's what's doing in the the stars a little bit uh even the the hurricanes but we all should have seen that coming a few other teams but yeah I I, if I'm the Flyers I don't know what I do other than just wait and assume that one of these guys is is going to snap out of it I'm not sure that there's any bigger problem here other than you've got two pretty good goaltenders that are both slumping badly at the same time and the fact that they're it's they're both happening at the same time makes it look like maybe there's some sort of bigger problem that that might not exist plus they're in that division they're in that conference too so they can they can pretty much be bad for 30 games and then figure it out for the last 50 and they can still probably get a wild card spot so it's not the end of the world they're they're three points out three points out of a wild card you know they're we're talking about how terrible they are they're three points back of washington who everyone agrees is a stanley cup contender so uh, yeah, well, welcome to the the age of parity and competitive balance, where terrible teams are one weekend away from catching up to the the cup contenders. Well, I think that's enough content for today. I think we've put t- Tim Barnes, our producer, through enough today over here with our Wi-Fi situation and our our, uh, our microphone situation. You have anything else you want to say to the people? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Other than uh, thank you for tuning in, yeah. and we should probably mention that I I don't think we're 
going to have a show next week. Is yes, that correct? Yes. Thanksgiving week, we're going to give thanks to having a week off and not having to, to do this. And we're going to, we're going to, yes. we're going to. American Thanksgiving, we should call it. Thanks. I get nothing. It's Thanksgiving. I get nothing. It's a regular week for me, but you Americans have so much to be thankful for these days <laughs> that you need like three days off to, uh, to, to, to give your thanks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Dave and Tim and all of our uh, American listeners. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, the week after. Yeah, we'll be back the week after because if there's ever a time when I, you wanted to spend two days with family members who are old and probably voted for Donald Trump, this is this is the week where you want to spend. This this is the week where you want to remember why you muted them on Facebook. So uh, exactly, drink heavily. Fun times for everyone. Drink heavily, eat turkey, put gravy on stuff, and, um, and we'll be back in in two weeks where we will probably have lots to talk about. I got a feeling we're gonna I'm gonna say it we're we're gonna have at least one fired coach to talk about. One fired weeks. coach. I'm gonna say maybe a couple. One decent trade too. We're gonna come back to to some decent trade. Decent trade, not a great trade. Are we set? Are like where are we setting the bar? Like above or below Andrew Hammond? <sighs> yeah, that was kind of the trade I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right, right on, right on the nose on that. All right. Yeah. So like maybe like a little bit above there. Maybe maybe like a, like not like Mark Andre Fleury, but like maybe something in between there. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. You you guys are going to forget what we talked about by the time we come back next week. So we can yeah, say that's what, true. We can say whatever we want here. But um, it's thanks, this, thanks no, to Tim. No attention span. Thanks to Tim Barnes. Thanks to you. Thanks to our wonderful readers for all their questions. And uh, I guess we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, which means they're all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.